Happy Mother's Day to all the moms there. We're so happy to celebrate together. It's fun. Uh, we want to honor all of our moms um, in the house as well as spiritual moms in this house. We know that there are some of those. And then, of course, as he said, um, Pastor Tim and Teresa are not with us, but she is a spiritual mom to all of us. So we're so thankful for her. And we're thankful for those that have joined online as well. We're happy to have you um, All right, so in honor of Mother's Day, humor me for a joke here for a moment. Um, So there was a boss in a business, and he comes in one morning, and he has a poster, huge poster with all capital, large letters, and it says, I'm the boss, don't forget it. And he tapes it to the outside of his door in the morning, and then he leaves out for a meeting for a while, returns, and when he comes back from the meeting, there's a memo on his desk from his assistant, and it says, your wife called, she wants her poster back tonight. (laughs) So... Um, we know that there's a lot of, uh, bosses in here that are killing it, managing households and serving in God's house and working jobs and keeping everybody straight in every direction that people are running and moving. So we're just really thankful, um, for all of that and thankful for life. All right. So the title of my message today is Jesus Revealed. And we're going to start out, if you will grab your Bibles or your smartphone, and we're going to read together out of John 21. So we're going to read verses 1 through 14, if everybody would stand, and we'll read together. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. All right, you can have a seat. So we see here, Jesus revealed himself and he revealed himself in this way. So today this message, if just taken at face value, might seem kind of simple, 
But what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he is continually revealing himself to us. And so I want to just challenge you to dig a little deeper today. He sees the, the, the place where we all are in our heart of hearts and our spiritual condition. And so just allow him to dig deeper and show you his word. So we're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the moms that are here today, God. And um, Father, I just pray that you would have your way here that your word would speak so tenderly to each one of our hearts and that you would just draw us to yourself. Thank you for your presence here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so as we dig into this, there's just several things that are really fascinating about this, um, this story, and I'd love to just walk through it together and kind of pull out some beautiful truths for us. And I do believe there's some specific things that the Lord is speaking directly to us. So first of all, we are past Easter. Easter's past, but as Pastor Tim said during Easter, the announcement is still the same. Jesus is alive. So the person, Jesus, who showed us the way, went to the cross, died, was buried, and is now alive, Um, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is alive. I heard um, at Easter this year that that Jesus' death was our ransom, but his life is our rescue, and that really just really struck me and stood out to me. Um, And we'll read together 1 Corinthians 15, 14. It says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain, right? So this is essential to our lives and to our faith. This particular moment where we're talking about today takes place in between the time that Jesus rose from the dead and when he ascended into heaven. Um, And so we see in scripture, there's 40 days where he's just randomly appearing, right? He's appearing to his disciples. And I think this is pretty amazing because he kind of just pops up in places. One particular place in scripture, it even emphasizes the door was locked and Jesus was in the, he just showed up in the room, you know? So we see, we see this. And this is another moment here. He's on the shoreline, then he just shows up suddenly. Um, so we see that Peter and his disciples, uh, I'm sorry, Peter is a disciple of Jesus. He tells the others, I'm going fishing. And um, this fishing is a way that the disciples, several of them, made their um, livelihood before they went to follow Jesus. So Jesus came to them right in the midst of it and said, follow me. And they left what they knew and they followed Jesus. So um, this particular moment, some scholars believe that it was really a moment that the disciples are kind of out of sorts. So they aren't quite sure what to do with themselves. We read in um, chapter 20, verse 9 of John, where they had run to the tomb to find it empty, which I'll come back to that in a second. Um, But it says this in in that verse, John 20, verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Um, So we think in this moment, the disciples are kind of walking in a bit of a a pity party, and that might be a strong way to say it, but they're like disillusioned, um, quite frankly, unsure what to do with themselves, you know, what they're going to do next. What they thought would happen was not at all what happened. Um, the ideas and things of Jesus being enthroned king and all these things that they, they just had an understanding of, they thought, um, isn't exactly what it turned out to be. So Peter, who we know is the, the vocal one um, of the bunch, he tells them, I'm going fishing. So it could here in this moment be more of an expression of, I'm weary, I'm tired, 
it's too messy, this is too complicated, I don't know what to do with myself, I'm going to go do what is familiar to me, what I know that I can do. Um, And often I think we find ourselves in that position where we've received a promise from the Lord and we, it's not turning out the way that we had envisioned or how we thought, how we wrap our head around. So we're saying like, man, I'm just weary. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. This is not what I signed up for. Life was easier before. Um, This promise came into my life, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, So the disciples join Peter. They fish all night long and they catch nothing right? So how, how awesome does that feel? You're a professional fisherman. <laughs> you go out all night long and you come up empty. In verse four, it says, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So his arrival, his appearance here was pretty unexpected to the disciples. They didn't realize it was Jesus. Um, and to me, this just shows he can show up anytime, any place. Um, in verse five, he calls out to them, Um, and says, friends, haven't you any fish? And they're like, nope, no fish. So they knew what to do. They knew how to fish. They knew the methods, the means for which to fish, and yet they came up empty. So how um, we see through Scripture so many times where Jesus asks questions Um, And I looked this up, and it says there's 307 questions that Jesus asks in the Bible, which I think that is just, (laughs) that's a lot of questions, right? Especially for someone who knows all of the answers. He, I just find that so interesting. With the woman with the issue of blood, he is walking, and the woman touches him, and he turns like, who touched me? You know, like, he's, he's not like, oh my goodness, who touched me? (laughs) He's saying that to lead to a deeper answer of, wow, like your faith. I felt something greater than the touch of my garment. I felt what just came from you, that faith that just came from you. So he's always, you know, showing us deeper answers when he's asking questions. Um, which makes it a little bit funny on one sense because then he's saying like, hey guys, did you get anything? You know, almost like a... (laughs) um, But anyway, I think that the Lord is showing, revealing as as he does deeper things here. So um, we see one of the things in er, a little bit earlier, he had been teaching the disciples in John 15, 15. Um, He says very clearly to them, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then also, I believe that often before the Lord gives abundant supply, he wants us to be fully aware of our own emptiness um, and recognizing we come up short in ourselves every single time. And before we see his strength, we often have to recognize our own spiritual condition and where we are with the Lord. I was, um, excuse me. I was with some women at a small retreat back in November, and there were about 10 women or so, and I only knew personally two of them. So one of the evenings, we sat around and kind of just told our testimonies of how we knew the Lord, how we had come to know the Lord. And um, I realized later, like it's really awesome to hear, you know, at any point in their lives, you know, when they came to know the Lord, whether they were young, teenagers, more recently, But with every single story, 
there came a moment, a very, very clear moment, where they became so fully aware of their own spiritual condition um, that it was to the point that it was something that they could no longer ignore. And I just found that so interesting that that was somehow weaved into every single story. Um, we see this in the Word. We see Isaiah, where it says that the Lord gave him, gave him a vision of the... Um, train of his robe filling the temple of the Lord Almighty. And immediately, what does he say? Woe is me of unclean lips. Like that's the first, the first thing is that he's, he's um, encountering his own spiritual condition. And then he says, and these people around me, like we all have unclean lips. Um, So we just become very aware of that. But God in his kindness brings us to this place where we can recognize our need for him. Um, We're going to read together Another example of this in Exodus 15, it says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Talk about need, right? When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So here they are. Thank you so much. Um, with this desperate, desperate need, they see what they think is the answer to their need. This oasis. Again, often what we think is the answer to the need that we have. It is not. The water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. So this piece of wood here is representative of the cross. He takes what is bitter, our own spiritual condition, and makes it sweet. He takes our weakness and gives us his strength. He takes our righteousness, which is as filthy rags, and he replaces it, exchanges it for his rightness, what he made right by going to the cross for us, the perfect sacrifice. When we come up empty, even when he looks at us and asks us directly, did you catch anything? Just as he asked the disciples, you can look at him boldly and say, no. In verse 6, we see, he says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul on the net because there were so many fish in it. So here we just see an absolute miracle taking place, right? This wasn't a massive, massive yacht where they're like journeying 20 feet from one side of the other, how many ever feet. Um, It's a boat. It's a a small boat that the disciples were in. So they're literally taking the net from one side of the boat and putting it down to the other side in a different spot. Um, And they immediately went from zero to 153 fish in seconds. And it says large fish, right? So this is Jesus revealed as one who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think in ourselves. And the miracle here rests on God's drawing power. He's drawing his ability to give the abundance. He used here in this moment the men, like employed the men, the net, the boat, all of those things come into use. They come into play. Um, But it isn't something that they were able to bring the abundance on their own at all. He did it. He brought increasingly more than they imagine. 
So I was reading recently um, in the Word about the Israelites coming into the promised land, and God is telling them some specifics about the land that they're about to enter. And just recently, these verses stood out to me in a way they hadn't before. So we'll read it together in Deuteronomy 11. It says, For the land you are entering to take possession of is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it, right? You put the work into the ground, you sowed that seed, you irrigated it, um, like a garden of vegetables. But the land you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain of heaven. A land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So he will use what he's given us into our hands and allow us to partner with him to see his kingdom come on earth. But we have to know he is able to cause things to grow at a rate that are not like others. Things are going to produce and develop in the fruitfulness of our lives. He is able to cause an abundance to come into our hands that isn't like the rate of others. And in some ways, this isn't isn't fair that he can do things in a sudden moment that he that would take us years to accomplish. He can cause us to have a maturity in the Lord in an instant when you come to him. Um, it's just incredible. But part of that, I think, is what um, the Lord uses to provoke others to jealousy. It says in the word that the Lord will use the Gentiles to provoke jealousy to the Jews. So our litmus test, honestly, of is this gospel message, like are we living it to the fullest? Part of that is the litmus test. Like are we seeing the suddenlies? Are we seeing the fruitfulness? Are we seeing this outcome happening in our lives? And it's gonna come to a moment where the Jews are provoked to jealousy, where they're like, who is this God? Who is this God? Oh, it's so exciting and incredible. Um, I also want to point out here that the net that was useful to them, I believe, can speak to the connectivity that enlarges what we can carry. And this is through the body of Christ. This is through us being together and doing life together and bearing one another's burdens and and um, just being the body of Christ, the connectivity of relationships that come from that. So although the nets were strained, they didn't break. So he can increase the capacity of what we can hold in our own strength and in our own resource. And we aren't limited by, by this that we are able to hold in our hand. We have an increased capacity to hold what he's desiring to give. give. Um, so now the disciples have this huge haul that was too much to haul in. And John says, it's the Lord. So the scripture says that, that Peter quickly grabbed his garment and jumps, like wraps himself up, jumps into the water to get to Jesus. So I have such a visual of this because when you're reading John, you see that he has a, a bit of a sense of humor, or so it seems. But in several points throughout the book of John, he says, um, the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> right? Referring to himself in third person. And I remember being younger thinking like, wait, which disciple is that? oh, wait, that's John, John, John's writing that. Like, what is happening, right? And then you see it again um, when they're talking about John, because he's writing this book, right? He's talking about how they're racing to the tomb when they find it empty. And it says, Peter and John are running to the tomb. Um, 
I'm sorry, so Peter went out with the other disciple, um, that's John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> and then you see it again in verse 8, where it says, finally the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went inside. So he's making it very clear. So I just have a visual in this moment of Peter um, where he's just like, oh, no, uh, not this time. Poof, and he just like plunges into the water and makes it there to Jesus first. Um, but what's really beautiful is Peter has just received an abundant gift, right? He's a fisherman. Fishermen love to catch. Am I right? <laughs> like they love that moment. But he doesn't even give a second look at the gift. He just plunges right into the water and gets straight to the giver of that gift. Um, and we know from the rest of the story that this is Peter's redemption moment. This is where he is coming to the Lord and having that moment of redemption there with him. Um, I also recognize here that although it does, it tells us very clearly that they don't recognize that it's him. The minute they see his hand at work, John sees his hand at work. He knew it was the Lord. He recognizes it. So we want to know his voice. We want to see his hand at work, but ultimately we just want to run toward him. We just want to plunge in and just run toward him as quickly as we possibly can. And so then the final thing I want to point out today with this is the beautiful invitation that the Lord is giving them when he says, come to breakfast. So we read in verse nine, it says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Here we see that Jesus is on the beach already cooking what they had been striving for out at sea. He already had every single thing that they were looking for. He has every single thing that we're looking for, everything that we're striving to gain. Jesus already has. He has the peace. He has the abundance. He has the security for your soul, for eternity. He has love, goodness, every single thing that we're looking for. And I... Um, have just been reminded in this with that invitation. Um, he says, come to breakfast. You know, I've been reminded personally of the importance of just waiting on the Lord. We get so caught up in our schedules and our lives and what's going on. Even when we're spending time with him, it can often be rushed. We're reading the word, we're praying, we're bringing our petitions before the Lord. But I've just been reminded to just wait. Um, Sometimes throughout my life, like I am a dreamer, those of you that know me, I am a dreamer, both figuratively <laughs> and literally. Um, but and sometimes in dreams, um, the Lord will speak to me a specific truth or something he's wanting to remind me, or I'll just have like an, an understanding that I didn't have before. And so recently the Lord gave me a beautiful dream and it just was that. It was just a sweet reminder to just wait on the Lord. Um, and with that... Um, I want to share you something in scripture that, that he showed me. So in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is talking about his reliance on the spirit of God in his life. 
And he's saying how God is revealing deep things of God to him by the Spirit. And in verse 9, he says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God prepared has prepared for those who love him. So when it says it is written, as it does in this verse, they're referring to another verse in the word. So we can go and find where that verse was originally found. So this was taken from Isaiah 64.4, and it says, From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So I don't think Paul is making a typo here. He's not making a mistake. I think that he has discovered and seen and recognized that this is a way that we can express our love to the Lord is by waiting on the Lord. And how powerful that it says he acts on, the, acts on behalf of those. Um, and, and this, really by waiting on the Lord, I just mean the worship team can come or Deb or whoever's coming. Um, by waiting on the Lord, I, I literally mean waiting. Like, just take a moment and be with him. Um, slow your mind down. Quiet your mind. Set aside devices. Set aside the to-do list. Set aside, like, some of it does come with discipline, but it, it, it's very beautiful when you see how available the Lord is to show up in that moment and to reveal himself to you and to, to show his presence. So as we're closing today, I just want to highlight a few truths that we can walk away from with this beautiful scene of Jesus revealing himself to the disciples. Jesus is able and will reveal himself to anyone, anytime, anywhere. The Father is still revealing Jesus to us today. That's why at the beginning I said, this at face value may seem like a simple message, but there is so much more of him to be revealed. And if we will just take the time and recognize the invitation to come. If you don't know the Lord yet, ask him. Ask him, reveal yourself to me. If there's people in your life around you that you know need the Lord, you've been praying for family members, coworkers, ask the Lord, reveal, reveal himself to them. It comes through revelation. We see this in scripture, even with Peter, where he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the son of the living God. And he just very plainly says to him, only the father could have revealed that to you. When Jesus is revealed to us, we often just become very aware of our own spiritual condition. And this isn't a time that we stay in our emotions or simply go through the motions. Sometimes we just do what we knew to do as Peter goes out fishing. 
we just return to what we knew are the motions of what we're doing, you know? But this is a time to draw close to Him, be honest with Him, tell Him your awareness of your spiritual condition, repent, (laughs) repent, 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 and just ask Him to come. And He will exchange your lack for His fullness, for His abundance, for His salvation, His rest, His peace, His life. Like He will give it to you. He offers it freely. He can bring abundance in an instant into your life. As he did with the Israelites in the promised land, he brings rain from heaven and waters the grounds. The harvest of our lives will not look like the harvest of others or if we hadn't known him, if we had not been partnering with him and coming to him and waiting on him. The fruitfulness that is available when we walk in relationship with him is astounding. And this includes bringing others into eternity with us by sharing your faith, seeing fruitfulness and lives changed, relationships restored, forgiveness that can happen supernaturally. And he is always extending an invitation to come to him. He's always saying, come to breakfast and bring the fish that you caught. He wants to spend time with you. He wants what you bring what is on your heart and what you care about. Really and truly, we're going to take just a few minutes and wait on the Lord together. I just encourage you guys, bring bring what's on your heart bring what you see as your spiritual condition bring what he is revealing to you I'm going to read quickly a verse from Isaiah this was not in my notes but I read it in first service and I just really feel like I want to share it again Isaiah 11 says a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and his roots a branch will bear fruit that's Jesus the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I think sometimes the fear of the Lord can be the key, really and truly, to unlock the rest, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I mean, it is Jesus whom we behold. But I think when we wait on him and we invite his presence and we visit with him and we allow him to wash over us, that's when he can reveal to us the fear of the Lord. We know him for who he really is. Like Peter, only the Father could have revealed this to you. 